Good evening, good evening, good evening, my saints, my friends, my family, my Bible study live crew. So grateful for you guys who are in the building, as well as those who, of you who are online. We appreciate you. We're going to bow our heads and we're going to pray, and then we're going to get into the Word of God for today. So let's bow our heads. Dear gracious Heavenly Father, God, we thank you, praise you, we love you. We honor you. We appreciate you, God. There's nobody like you. Nobody compares to you. You're the great, matchless, wonderful God. And God, you're doing so many great things for us, so many things you brought us through, and so many things you're bringing us to. And for that, we give you praise. Now, God, we ask that you would bless our study, illuminate our uh, our thinking, our hearing, our speaking, and everything so that we can grow in you and even go another step further than on Sunday morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So blessings, blessings, blessings. All right, let's uh, let's start off with this passage of scripture, Isaiah 46, 9 through 11, and then uh, verse 13. This passage of scripture, I used it uh, as the catalyst for my birthday of uh, last month. And so I want to go back over it because I want to kind of explain the type of ministry that many of you are sitting under when you allow me to be your pastor or you allow me to speak into your life. And so there was something that God had showed me while right around uh, my 46th birthday. So that's why we're going to the 46th chapter of Isaiah. So let's look at that in the ninth verse. It says, remember what happened long ago, for I am God and there is no other. I am God and no one is like me. 10, I declared the end from the beginning. And from long ago, what is not yet done, saying, my plan will take place and I will do all my will. That particular part is quite vital. So I will bring it up uh, again. It says, I declared the end from the beginning. And so that is the, I would say, the faith talk that often comes out of my ministry because it comes from God, where God declares the end from the beginning. So when we are a church and we call ourselves Deliverance Temple, God is speaking the deliverance that we can't quite see yet because he's speaking the end at the beginning. Very similar to our GPS system, which always tells us where we're going. It calculates where we're going. It looks at where we are, but then calculates where we're going. And God only speaks to us based on where we're headed, not necessarily all the journey stops in between. And so oftentimes when I'm preaching in a faith-filled message, it's not going to show up in your life right away. And why, once again, is because God says he declares the end from the beginning. And from long ago, what is not yet done. So the things that are not yet done, not that they're not done in the spirit, they're done in the spirit because the Bible says when Jesus died, he said, it is finished. So it's already done in the spirit, but in the natural for us, waiting for the manifestation to actually see it, to go from, I prayed it and now it's happening. I prayed it and now it's here. So God says that he speaks the end from the beginning and from long ago, what is not yet done or what we haven't yet seen in the reality yet. Then he makes a statement, my plan will take place and I will do all my will. So nothing's going to stop my plan from going forth or my word from going forth. 
So the goal for us is to stay focused in the journey. And so oftentimes when I'm ministering and I'm building faith and encouragement in you, I'm speaking to you about what God will do, what God can do, what God is about to do. And so it can be frustrating when the journey doesn't match up to what you're, uh, what is being preached to you. But if you understand it, what you know, you're getting courage to face whatever you face because you already know the outcome. So since you know you're going to win, it's having someone to coach you through the ups and downs on the way. So my job is to keep you encouraged, keep you inspired, keep you focused, keep you believing, and to help mitigate the times where the devil is attacking you, pushing you over the ups and the downs, and just to let you know, hey, if you stay in it, you're going to win it. So I have a much, uh, I have a faith ministry, but also have a very prophetic ministry because it's, it is declaring that, hey, it's going to be okay. And oftentimes I do check with myself to see, God, am I, am I, you know, am I telling them right? Or am I selling them a bill of goods that is not going to come true? Because I may say something on a Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, I get all kinds of calls of different things going on in people's lives. And many times they're, they're negative. And I'm like, man, did I tell them wrong that God was going to deliver them? And God will just keep telling me, just keep saying what I tell you to say. And so when I come back to study again and see what God wants me to say, he many times gives me something faith-filled again. And so I'm learning that my job is like the cut man in the corner of a boxing match, except for I already know that the participants are going to win. You're going to beat the enemy, but you might take some shots along the way. And so when you come back to the corner, it's my job to remind you of the strategy, remind you to duck and weave, bob and move. You got this. You can do this. You're up in the points. You're going to win. Don't worry about the bleeding. I'm going to, I'm going to put something on the bleeding. I'm going to put a tile under there. I'm going to put ice on your eye. Yeah, yeah, yeah I know your, your, your legs are wobbly, but, hey, you're winning. Stay in it. So that's my job is to keep you fired up to keep going back because I know you're going to win in the end. And why do I know that? Because God speaks the end from the beginning and he's already told us that we're going to win. All right. So having said that, let's move on to uh, verse 11. I call a bird of prey from the East, a man for my purpose from a far country. Yes, I have spoken. So I will also bring it about. I have planned it. I will also do it. So this was the verse that really uh, jumped out to me on probably the, the, the end of June because I was looking at it and I was thinking, wait a second, I'm getting ready to turn 46 and I'm going to be at my 11th year of pastoring on July 10th, which actually fell on a Sunday this year. And so as I was preparing, thinking about what I was going to minister, that verse just jumped out to me, 4611. And so as I looked at it, and I, I won't give too much address to it because I talked about it uh, last month, but I took it out of its context. In its context, God was bringing a man, he was calling a man to actually punish Israel. But in this case, even though it's out of its original context, what we do know is that what God does in one direction, he can also do it in the opposite direction. So if he calls a man into people's lives to bring punishment, he can also call a man into people's life to bring blessing. And I believe I am that man for those of you who are called to Deliverance Temple, or even if you're not necessarily 
called to us, but you, you are a friend of the ministry and you check in with us and you, you listen to a lot of the sermons. I'm that man in your life. And so what is it saying? It says, yes, I have spoken, so I will also bring it about. I have planned it. I will also do it. So I'm the guy to keep reminding you of what God is going to do in your life and that his word will not fail. Now, is that challenging for me at times? Yes, because while you're going through things, I'm going through things as well. I'm waiting on blessings. I'm waiting on prayers. There's been doors shut in my face. But what gives me the passion to keep doing it is like I hear it so clear. I hear it so crystal clear that God is going to bring about what he said. And what gives me hope and clarity is I'm not having to make this up. I'm looking at what he said in his word. His word is what's important. And so if I can see it in his word, first of all, he speaks it to me. And then I look to see if I can find it in his word. And then it's like the word just jumps off the page to me. Then I'm able to communicate it to you. So let's, let's drop, drop down to verse 13. We're going to skip verse 12 and go to 13. I am bringing my justice near. It is not far away and my salvation will not delay. I will put salvation in Zion, my splendor in Israel. So it's, it's coming, it's on the way, it's near. Now God doesn't operate on our time clock because he's an eternal God. So what we think of it near is immediate, may not be immediate, but it's not really, really far off. Whatever God is working in your life, I'm here to let you know that it's actually clicking. You may not feel it, you may not see it, but it's actually working. And one of the reasons why I know it's working, because the devil wouldn't keep attacking if it wasn't working, because he wouldn't spend his resources attacking you. He's not like God where he can be everywhere at the same time. So when he's attacking you, he's actually have to use his resources to attack you. So he has to be strategic in who he attacks, because he's, he, he doesn't uh, have unlimited resources. He doesn't have unlimited demons. There's a lot of them, but there's more angels than there are demons. So he's got to be very strategic. So if he already has people or he can get them to sabotage themselves, he leaves them alone because I won't spend resources on them. So when you're doing right and you're no longer sabotaging yourself and you're moving in the right direction and then, man, all this stuff starts coming at you, it's my job to remind you, hey, it wouldn't be coming at you if you weren't on the right path. The reason why it's coming at you is because you're moving in the right direction. So I just need you to, to keep going, keep pushing through, and you're going to make it. So having said all that, um, the week prior was quite a bit of a departure of what I'm normally talking about. We, we spent some time on, on uh, judgment and judgmental Christians. I'm not quite sure why God took me in that direction, but he did take me there for a minute. So I was wondering, would, would God give me more messages like that? But immediately last week, he gave me another message that was more in line with what I've been uh, telling people. And it was just two words that came to me while I was driving. I've, I've been going through something personally, waiting on a few things to happen. And I just heard these two words, it's over. It's over. So I'm going to put that up. So that became the title of the sermon was, it's over. And so he was speaking that personally to me, but then it wouldn't leave me. So that it, it, it came to me maybe like, uh, it, it could have been Wednesday after Bible study. I remember I was coming home. I remember where I was. I was getting ready to turn on my street to go home. And I just heard those two words, 
Well, then those words never left me for Thursday, Friday, Saturday, just kept popping up in my head. And so I knew, okay, I'm supposed to talk about this Sunday. And so my, my thing that I'm saying is that whatever is been thrown at you, it's over. In other, in other words, it's power over you is lost. Now, there may still be some ramification. You may still feel some stuff because we, we live life. And so you're, you're not going to just go through easy street and never have any challenges. That's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is you're understanding that whatever the power was that was really weighing me down, it's over. So if, if it's the power of the addiction, if it's the power of the failure, if, if it's the power of the depression, if it's the power of the lack of resources and lack of money, if it's the power of uh, failed relationships, I'm here to let you know it's over. I can't tell you when you're going to actually see it, but I feel it so strong that it doesn't have power over you. So I'm announcing to you ahead of time, it's over. And I use the example that when uh, I was watching a dunk contest years ago from uh, a guy named Vince Carter, one of the greatest uh, dunkers we've probably seen in, in the last 20, 30 years. And he on his second dunk, he did a dunk that just made the crowd go crazy. And he looked at the cameras and he was like, it's over. And he still had to go through the process of winning the rest of the dunks, but it was something in him that let him know, I got this in the bag. And when he tells the story about it later on, what he was saying is that something happened. They got caught in traffic, and so he showed up late to the place, and everyone else had got warm-ups. He didn't get a chance to warm up. So on his second attempt, he did something he had never done before, and he had jumped higher than he had ever jumped before. And he knew then, like, this is different. It's over for the rest of them because I'm in rare form. I didn't even get a chance to warm up. I didn't get a chance to practice. But, like, he, he felt like he said, I felt like I got springs in my legs. He just felt super, super confident. And I feel the same thing about you and I. Now, it, the word came originally to me, but I see it for all of us. Like, this is different. It's going to work out different. I know Many challenges have happened, and there's probably some more challenges to come, but I'm here to let you know you've already got this in the bag. You're going to win this, and you're going to win it by a large margin where you're going to know, and everyone else is going to know, it's like you're going to come out of this, and you're going to come out of this so far ahead. There's Sometimes you win by the skin of your teeth. There, there's like a close call. This is not going to be a close call. This is going to be a blowout. The things that the devil has set up, in your life, they have worked up until this point, but the tables are turning in such a way it's over. Um, same thing happens when I also think about certain uh, sporting events where the first three quarters, it may be really close or the other uh, team is winning, the enemy is winning, and then something happens in the fourth quarter where it just all snaps and everybody comes together. And then you go look at the score and it's like a 25-point win, and then the commentators will say this, it was a much closer game than what it looks like. It's just that at the end, one team just took off. At the end, one team get, got caught fire. And I'm here to let you know, I know the devil has been so much in your face, but you're about to catch fire in what 
whatever direction it is, maybe it's in several things in your life, maybe it's just in one thing, but something's going to happen where you're going to understand it's over. It's over for the devil. It's over for all the things that are trying to bring you down to make you quit and give up. It's over because you're going to be seeing, you're going to see so clearly how winning is inevitable. Winning is going to be so second nature that even when something comes to you that looks like a loss, you're not going to worry about it because you're already going to know that you've won. So that gives us a lot of context of what Sunday was about. So let's dig into the word over. Expressing authority or control. So something expressing authority or control over you. Expressing a great number. So one number is over a number uh over another number, expressing passage or trajectory across, like throwing a ball over something, expressing duration like over and over and over again, like time over and over again. So all of these definitions of over, none of them necessarily would be positive in the way that I'm talking, except for there was one final definition that I grabbed, and I was like, that's the one. That's the one I need. So I'll, I'll put it back up and read it. No longer affected by. That's what I'm trying to prove to you. You will no longer be affected by, and I said this on Sunday, not just affected, but infected. See, there are certain things that affect us, but then they infect us. They get on the inside of us. And as long as what's on the outside doesn't infect the inside, most people can, can make it. A normal scratch is just a normal scratch. Your body will heal itself. The problem is if that scratch gets infected, then it goes in deep and then it can cause all kinds of trouble. People have died because of infection. And so what I'm saying is it's over. It's, you're going to no longer be affected by it in the sense that it will never be able to infect you. It may hit you, pause you momentarily, knock you over, knock you down, but it won't get so deep inside of you that you feel like I got to give up. I got to quit. So those of you who have dealt with suicidal thoughts, it's over. No longer are you going to go back to the think, thought that, man, I'm better off gone. I need to kill myself because something's going to click and you're going to realize, no, I'm moving forward. Now, now I may not see it right away, but I'm so confident that I'm not going back. There. I'm no longer affected by it. So what this is also going to do is the devil's going to have to bring new things to come to distract you because what he was using previously, you will no longer be affected by and you will, can no longer be infected by. So he's going to try to ramp things up. So pressure may still come at you. It's just that your mindset is going to be different because you're going to know it's over. It's, it, and it's just that simple. And so I'm saying it over and over again, but I can't even communicate it to you how I feel on the inside. I, I, I feel like, like an arrival, like you're, you're, you're going to get to a plateau. It's, it's going to be a defining moment in your spirituality and in your Christian, in your uh, Christianity. Now we all have, we, we all have defining moments. It won't be the last defining moment. And I'm not saying that you won't go through another season where you, you are challenged again, but this particular season has lost its power over you. Uh, let, let, let's go back to the definitions again. So expressing authority and or control over you. So the things that have control over you up until this point, they have lost their control. It's over. You are going to have the ascendancy over it. Now, once again, being honest, the devil will regroup 
re-strategize and he may come at you with something different and that will cause a whole another level of growth you have to go through. But one thing the scripture said about Jesus when he was tempted by the devil is that the, uh, the, that Satan left him alone for a season, that he actually had to back off of him and try to regroup and try something else. And that's what I'm saying is going to happen to you. You're going to have a moment and a season of peace and, and you're not going to struggle because the devil's going to have to back up. Now, he's going to come back again, but it's okay because what you're lear learning is, I've won this round. And if I won this round, I can win the next round. All right, I've said enough. Let's, let's see if we can get into the word that we use. So Isaiah 41 says, comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Now, uh, the prophet was being spoken to by God, and he was given the assignment to comfort the people. Same assignment I have with you. It's my job to comfort you. So I'm trying to comfort you and tell you it's over. I'm trying to remind you that it, it may not show up right away, but I'm comforting you that, hey, you're going to make it. You're going to come out of this, and you're going to come out of this much better than when you went in it. It's one thing to go into something and come out of it the same. That's, that's fair. I, I, I go into a challenge one way, and I come out the challenge the other way. At least I didn't lose anything. I didn't lose my mind. But that's not what I'm talking about. You're going to come out better than when you went in it. So much better that people are going to recognize that there's something different about you. And the only thing different is that you went through something. And so it's my job to comfort you. And think of it like this. In the wintertime, and we, we are, we're moving out of the summer, moving into the fall, but we understand Indiana weather, that winter is somewhere around. And if you live in this state and do not have a good comforter, I don't care if you have heat or not, a good comforter can make the difference between a cold night of sleep or not. Something that just makes you feel like, ah, just, I just want to snuggle up. I feel warm. And it's my job to comfort you in the things of God, that God is wrapping his arms around you and your situation. And it's over. It's over for the devil. It's over for the fear that you've had. It's over for the slipping back and falling into certain things. It's over. You will have certain challenges that you'll probably struggle with the rest of your life. But there's some stuff that's just going to drop off of you. You're not going to struggle with it. It's going to be over. And it's my job to comfort you and tell you that. And so that's why I'm excited to do that. So let's look at Isaiah 42, the A clause, which is the first half of the, the verse Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and announce to her that her time of forced labor is over. Her time of forced labor is over. And so he says, speak tenderly. So it's my job to speak tenderly to you. Now, what we could do is bring you in and beat you up about how imperfect you are. But like I said, this is Deliverance Temple. You wouldn't be here if you were perfect. So if you want to get beat up about your imperfections, go find another church. Here is my job to speak tenderly to you and to let you know that your forced labor is over. And the reason why many of us have struggled in our deliverance is because of things that have been forced on us. It wasn't like we chose it. Now, some things we did do, but, it, but many things came to us, happened to us, and then we went down the path. And so what that's called is slavery. And so oftentimes when the Bible talks about sin, it talks about the slavery of sin or the bondage of sin. And the reason why God is so 
careful with us about our sin, even though we shouldn't do it. He also understands in many cases it was forced on us. Even Paul talks about it. He said, I would not have known that it was sin until the law told me it was sin. But the moment I found out it was sin, that's when my flesh began to rage. That's a total paraphrase, but I can make it even really, really simple. You could pass by the cookie jar all day long and it didn't bother you as a child until your mom said, hey, there's cookies in there. Don't touch the cookies. The moment she pointed it out, something in you automatically wants the cookies. Now you're tempted. You weren't tempted before, but at that moment, then it becomes a temptation. Now it becomes a struggle, but it wasn't a struggle at first. That was something forced on you. You, um, let's see, for, for me, I grew up in, in an era where pornography was in magazines. It was something that it wasn't just readily available like it is now. So the young people now, they're forced into things that we used to have to kind of sneak to do. It's so right there. And so some of them who get caught up in it, it's not necessarily their fault. Yes, they've made some decisions afterwards, but it was forced. So many times the temptations that we have, they were thrown at us. They caught us when we were weak. The devil doesn't come at you when you're strong. He comes at you when you're weak. He gets you tripped up. He gets you maybe caught up in a bad relationship and then the relationship goes sour and then all kinds of stuff happens because of the relationship or you lose a job or there's a lot of people who are addicted to pills and, and subscription things because they had a simple surgery and they were prescribed things and maybe the doctor prescribed too much and the next thing you know, now their body is craving something. Now they have an addiction. It wasn't like they chose it forced on them. There are people who are promiscuous, but someone touched them inappropriately. All kinds of things have happened to us and it was forced on us. And so let's read that verse again. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and announce to her that her time of forced labor is over. So there was a period of time that you had to be in it, but that time is up. And so now you're in the process of walking free. People who are locked up now, sometimes things happen in the courts and they find out they have an out date but they're not out yet, but their time is over. They, they, they have to go through what they call processing, but knowing that they are free, even though they're still locked up, changes everything. It changes the way they think. They're just counting down the days because one, I'm going to walk free from this. They know whatever was held over them no longer has power. Things have been in place. Something has happened and they're going to be set free. It's just a matter of time. And for you, I'm saying the same thing to you. And the scripture says, I'm to announce to you. It's just a matter of time before you experience the freedom that has seemed so far away. What's so powerful about God is that things in God can shift like that. You could be dealing with all this junk and then something happens. And the next thing you know, there's light at the end of the tunnel and things have just changed. And it's my job to announce to you that I believe God is saying that to us now. It's over. It may be a matter of time for it shows up, but I promise you it's over. So guess what? Get excited. 
Get your faith back. I, I use this on Sunday. Get your macho back. Get your swag back. Start praising God ahead of time because that last season has ended. You're moving into something else. And it's going to be great and marvelous. All right, let's look at uh, B. Her iniquity has been pardoned and she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. This is another beautiful thing to understand. One of our challenges is that when we do get into challenges and issues and things along the way, we make bad decisions along the way. Yes, the devil forced a lot of stuff on us, threw a lot of stuff at us. But in the process, we made a lot of bad decisions. And so many times it's hard for us to truly believe for freedom because we still think I deserve some of this. I deserve some of this punishment because of the person I was or because of the things I've done or because of the way I thought, because of this, that, and the other. So God tells the prophet to speak tenderly, but then he says, remind him this, her iniquity has been pardoned. So yeah, yeah, God is saying, yes, you were forced into some stuff, but you also did some things that were not wholesome, were not right, but you've been pardoned. I've wiped that clean. In other words, you can forget about it because I forgot about it. I forgot. I let it go. So you might as well let it go. And what the devil will always do is try to remind you of who you were. He forgets to say who you will be. He never wants to tell you who you will be. He wants to only wants to talk about who you were. And it's easy to remember who we were and we forget that's not who I now am. And it's not who I will be. And so it's my job to tell you, your iniquity has been pardoned. Iniquity and sin are different. Sin is the fruit. Iniquity is the root. Sin is the scratch. Iniquity is the bruise beneath the scratch. It's the stuff that people can't see. So when you sin, there's a reason why you sin. There's a reason why you keep falling at the same thing over and over because it's something deep. Many times it's trauma. It's a lot of things. And God says, I pardon you of that. So even if you're in a habit that keeps you doing it, the reason why God will still bless you, because he says, in my mind, I've already cleansed you from the root and it's going to be okay. I probably want to get through all of what I talked about Sunday because I felt like God just wanted me to make sure that I'm drilling these points home. A perfect example of that is you'll find this, um, in Mark chapter 11, you'll find it a couple other places, but Jesus sees a fig tree and the fig tree had leaves, but it didn't have the fruit yet. And so he passes by it. He was on his way. He was in Bethany on his way to Jerusalem. He passes by and he curses the fig tree. And the scripture says he cursed it at his root. They go on to where they were going. They come back the next day and then they're going back the following day. And on that following day, Peter says, Master, look, the fig tree that you cursed is dead or it had dried up. So what that means is the moment Jesus spoke it, it didn't, it didn't dry up right away. The scripture says he cursed it at its root. And it didn't show up for at least 24 hours before they actually seen the reality of it. But then Peter noticed, wait a second, this thing is totally dried up. Jesus 
taught them a lesson about faith in it. And he said, like, you can speak to this mountain and it will be removed. But I bring that up to say this. If it took Jesus 24 hours for it to actually be seen, it may take some time for things in your life to be seen and that the iniquity is pardoned. But here's the reason why God is going to the root. He's going to the root of the problem. He's not just dealing with the fruit. He's going all the way down to the root. He's drying things up at the root. So let me give you a few examples. One of the reasons why you do what you do is because of the low self-esteem that's still in you. And so what God is doing, he's fixing the low self-esteem so that you won't keep doing what you're doing. And one day you're going to realize I've outgrown that. I'm no longer tempted by it. I'm no longer struggling with it because God dealt with it at its root. And it's my job to tell you the reason why I know you're going to be delivered. I'm not looking at what you're doing. I'm not looking at the mistakes you still make. I'm telling you, your iniquity has been pardoned. God has taken care of your iniquity. He's gone all the way down to the deep parts of you and he's unraveling all of that. And you're going to be what God has said you're going to be. And not only do I know it, the devil knows it. So he keeps reminding you of who you used to be. He doesn't want you to know what you're going to be, but it's my job to tell you, no, you're going to be it. You are a child of God. You're a man of God. You're a woman of God. You're blessed. You're prosperous. You're wise. You're smart. Oh man, I keep making dumb mistakes. I keep doing dumb stuff. So sometimes you feel like a dodo, but it's my job to remind you, you're not a dodo. You're awesome. You're amazing. You're powerful. Now this doesn't take the responsibility away from us from growing. Yes, we still need to grow. We shouldn't get stuck in patterns that are unhealthy, but it's my job to just encourage you. Come on, keep doing it. You can do it. You can do it. I know you can do it. Uh, I think you can. I think you can. I think you can. I know you can. I know you can. Come on, keep pushing. Oh, but pastor, I slipped back. Don't worry about that. Keep, keep, keep going. You got this. It would be like a person who's driving a car and their tank gets on empty and then they get out the car and they start walking. Man, I quit. My, my, my car got on empty. No, just, just go to the gas station, get filled up. You mean that's all I got to do? Yeah. Yeah, just go, just go get filled up. And when you come to church, it's my job to fill you up so that you can get back out and drive. Don't give up. Don't walk away from the car. Don't quit. No, keep moving because you can do this. How do, why do I believe you can do this? Because God told me to tell you that. So let, let's, let's move on just a little further. So as if I, I just answer, at, asked that question, so I'll ask again, why is it over? What confidence do I have that it's over? So I want to give you some confidence because, like I said, when, when you're in the faith walk, which we are believing things we can't see, when you're in the faith walk, you can kind of be like, ah, it sounds good, but my reality is this. It sounds good, but when I leave these doors or when I stop listening to the sermon, this is my reality. So what confidence can you give me, Pastor? that it will change or it is over because nothing around me around me seems like it's changing or has changed. But what can you tell me? So then Sunday, I went through quite a few things to tell us. So let's, let's look at verse three. A voice of one crying out, prepare the way of the Lord in the wilderness, make a straight highway for our God in the desert. 
This is a very powerful verse because it's spoken of John the Baptist when John the Baptist came and he made way for Jesus to come. So John was the forerunner for Jesus. And so this scripture is quoted about him, and but this is the original context of it in Isaiah. So what I did afterwards, I start, I begin to start pointing to me. So the confidence you have is not necessarily in yourself. The confidence you have is in the leader that you have because it's my job to be the forerunner. It's my job to be the visionary. It's my job for God to give me the glimpses of where you are headed. And then I come back and tell you, uh, extra, extra, read all about it. I got the news and I'm here to tell you the gospel is the good news. So I seen the glimpse of many of your lives and I'm like, oh, they're going to make it. It's my job to come back and tell you. So the confidence you have is there's somebody who's already seen a glimpse of the other side. That's what the prophetic is about. So let's look at the point. The first point I put up, there's a prophetic voice over my life. So very simple. You're connected to a ministry who has a leader who has a prophetic voice. When I say prophetic voice, I'm not just talking about the office of the prophet where I sit down and I just prophesy to you and say, I see X, Y, Z happening in your life. Mine is more general. It's that every time I preach, I'm speaking into the entire atmosphere, speaking things that God has shown me. And many of you will say that after you've heard the message or after you've listened to it again, you're like, man, it was so spot on to me. Like it was tailor made to me. It's like you were talking directly to me. It's because I have a prophetic voice that God has given me a gift that I'm able to speak into your life. And so the confidence that you have is you do not have a weak, wimpy, wishy-washy leader. Not trying to just uh, give myself kudos, but what I'm trying to do is give kudos to the God that's in me. He's given me something special that not everybody has. And it's, it's a blessing that you're able to be connected to me because I'm able to speak right into your life. All right. Number two, the prophetic voice is announcing the arrival of my Savior. So the good thing about me, I'm not talking about me. I'm not saying you're good because you're connected to me because I'm so special. I'm so grand. No, it's because I'm announcing the arrival of something. Let's see what this prophet did as well in Isaiah 4. Isaiah 44. Every valley will be lifted up and every mountain and hill will be leveled. The uneven ground will become smooth and the rough places a plain. Here's the reason why. That which is out of balance in my life is being forcibly brought back into balance. So the Savior that is coming, he is actually making shifts and changes and taking which is out of balance and putting it back into balance. All right, let's look at verse 5. And the glory of the Lord will appear and all humanity together will see it for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. So the beauty, the beauty about me being the prophetic voice, I am just the vessel that the voice is coming through. So it would be like uh, back in, in the day when they would have the little cans that, that would be hollow where you could put it up to your mouth and make your mouth sound louder like the megaphone. That's what I am. I'm just a can. The voice is God's. It's the mouth of the Lord, but he's speaking it through me into your life. And so because you're connected to me and I'm connected to him, then we get what God wants us to have. 
So it's, it's like me being the outlet for the, the electricity. I'm not the electricity. You're not the electricity. You're the plug. The electricity is God. I'm the outlet. When you plug into me and God is flowing through me, guess what? You get the power that you need. And so that's what the prophetic voice is. So that's what should give you confidence. But when we drill down into the verse, one of the reasons why we're confident is because the glory of the Lord shall appear. The weighty, heavy presence of God. In other words, so God is stepping on the scene. Since God is in eternity and doesn't live in time, he doesn't always step into time. But whenever he steps into time, he does it in an amazing ways. So I'm prophesying to you and announcing to you that God is going to show up in amazing ways in your life, in ways that are going to make you shake your head. Now, some of us have already experienced things that we know, like, man, God is amazing. But I'm saying it's going to be amplified. It's going to ramp up into another level. And the reason why is because there's been so much out of balance. There's been so much that has happened in the last several years, in the last this new decade. There's so much craziness going on all across the world. We're just barely trying to get out of the pandemic. COVID has really hung on longer than anybody thought. We're just barely getting back to normal, not there. And then then monkeypox, like, my God, what in the world is monkeypox? So that is going to be a pattern that one thing after the other is coming and to hit the earth, but it won't affect us because God is stepping into our lives and bringing his glory. So no matter what's happening around us, we have the confidence that we're going to be okay. In the time of the children of Israel, when all the plagues were going on, in Egypt, they lived in a place called Goshen, and nine of the plagues did not touch them at all. There was only one plague that could have come to them, and that was the tenth plague. And God says, if you put the blood over your doorpost, I'll pass over you, and that won't touch you either. And so because of our Savior, and which, is, which the blood of the doorpost and the Passover lamb and all that pointed to the Savior, because we are hidden in him, which would be our Goshen, and because he is over us, we are safe. Doesn't mean you won't catch COVID, but you're going to be okay through it. Doesn't mean you won't have some of the issues won't come by you. But the point is God's glory is coming and is making everything right. And so you're going to be okay. So I'm reminding you of that confidence. And then I, I, I made it even more clear with the next point. Point four, God's glory is arriving on the scene. His glory is coming, the glory of the Lord. What, what many of you guys experience when you see me and you experience the power of me, that is the anointing. The anointing is for humans. God doesn't need to be anointed. There is a certain level of glory that happens for humans because the scripture says there's different levels of glory. But then he makes this statement, my glory I will not share with another. So God has a whole nother level of glory that's greater than anointing, that's greater than human glory. It's supernaturally amazing. And when God steps in your life in those ways, it's to the point where everybody knows, because the, the scripture says all flesh will see it. Everybody knows this is not Benny. This has to be God. This is something special. So many of us are going to run into certain situations where God is going to step in such amazing ways, it's going to leave the mouths of people open, including you. Like, hey, don't look at me. That, 
That was all God. And the reason why he wants to do that is to prove to your enemy, okay, you're on Benny's case, you're on Andre's case, you're on John's case, you're on Ella's case, but I want to show you who you're really messing with. You're messing with me. But not only that, the people around them that are watching them, I want them to know they're not cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs by going to church every Sunday and lifting their hands and praising the God they can't see and talking about a God that nobody's heard of and talking about this fairy tale Jesus. I want to show them they're not crazy. You're the ones missing out. They're not missing out. And the only way he can really prove to that to them is to show up supernaturally. And so what he's going to do, he's going to use our lives and show up and stuff that's going to just amaze people, including us. The Bible makes this statement also. It says miracles are a sign for the unbeliever. Miracles are not really for us because we believe. Miracles are for the people who don't believe because we are believing by faith, but the people who don't believe, they're like, ah, like that's a coincidence or maybe that just, that was just luck. That, you know, that just happened. That's nothing godly because we are faith people. We believe it was God that did it. So God is like, oh, okay, you think that's a coincidence? You think that's nothing? Boom, let me show you this. Let me do this. And then people's eyes are open like, oh, wow. Now, some people will still reject, and it happened even in Jesus' day. They still they saw it, and they still reject it. Hey, you can't do anything for those people. But there's other people who are somewhere on the fence, and then they're going to see things happen in your life, and they're going to be like, wow, I know God is real. And then they're going to want to have conversations with you, and that's how you'll be able to lead them to the Lord, disciple them, you know, move them further. So, so, so really, it's a whole strategic plan of God. I'll give you another example of it. Um, Lazarus, Lazarus dies and uh, Mary and Martha and Lazarus were good friends of Jesus. Martha sends the message to Jesus. Lazarus has died. Jesus stays where he was. And he tells his disciple, Lazarus is asleep. He waits four days and then he goes to be where Lazarus was, where he was at. And Martha said, if you basically, if you would have been here earlier, he, he wouldn't have died. And Jesus said, if you believe, you'll see the power of God. You'll see the resurrection. And Martha was like, yeah, I know he's going to be resurrected in the last day, but we needed you now. The problem was when they needed him now, when he died, there wasn't a crowd. See, after he had died and his body was dead four days, the crowd came around because the funeral. And so in those days, the funeral wasn't just one day. It was a process. And so there was a lot of people. And, and, and it seemed that, that Lazarus was a prominent person in the city. So there was a lot of people around when Jesus showed up. So when Jesus resurrected them, guess who saw? All the people saw when he said, Lazarus, come forth. And they seen Lazarus actually come forth. They saw it with their own eyes. If Jesus would have showed up right when he died, the only people who saw, saw it was Mary and Martha. So he strategically stayed away. So I need to say this to you. Sometimes he stays out of your business and allows things to get worse. Martha said, by now he actually stinks. He, he's not just dead. He's past the dying state. In other words, he's starting to decay. Like if you were going to show up, you should have showed up a long time ago. And God was like, 
hey, watch, watch this. Let me show you how powerful I am. And then the scripture actually says that when Jesus got there, Jesus wept. And some people think he wept because he was a friend of Lazarus. But it couldn't have been that because he knew he was going to resurrect him. What he wept about is they have no idea how powerful I really am. And they think four days of him being dead can stop me and my father's power. So he began to go into and he openly prayed to God. And then there was something. I'm not saying that you're going to see loved ones resurrected. I'm not saying you're not. But what I am going to say there's going to be some miraculous signs in our lives that's going to let people know it's over. Doubting God is over. You're going to see him, his power. All right, let's, let's look at verse 5. The prophetic voice is not speaking from their words, but from the mouth of the Lord, which you surely understand. Let, let me say that maybe some people come uh, on Sunday morning because they see the lights and they see my, my flashy suits and they're like, oh, man, that guy's cool. Maybe some people are coming for that. But if you come back to Bible study, I know you're not coming for me. You're coming for God because it's not as many people. It's not very many people in the building. It's not as many people online. If you come back to the Bible study, it's because you really believe you're hearing from God, not from me. So I'm not even going to focus much on that point because you wouldn't be here if you thought you were just coming to hear me. All right, let's look at verses four, six, four, uh, 40 and 6. A voice was saying, cry out. Another said, what should I cry out? All humanity is grass, and all its goodness is like the flower of the field. Verse 7, the grass withers, the flower fades when the breath of the Lord blows on them. Indeed, the people are grass. I'll just touch on this for a second. It says that the breath of the Lord First of it says all the people of grass. In other words, compared to God, we're nothing but a blade of grass. But then it says the breath of the Lord can blow on the grass. So anything, anyone, any person that the devil is using to block you, to stop you, when God gets good and ready, he can just blow on it. And just like grass, it, it'll fade, it'll, it'll, it'll go away. So you don't have to really worry about the people that the devil tries to use to stop you because when when God is ready to elevate you and move you, it doesn't make a difference. I don't care how many times the, the loan officer said no, God will make somebody pull the file out of the trash and accidentally put yes on it. And next thing you know, you're moving in the house. And they're looking like, I thought we denied them. They don't know how it happened. Look, Because when, when God gets ready to do stuff and he starts blowing on stuff, they'd be like, um, like a monopoly, a bank error in your favor. Don't nobody know how it happens. It just happened. God can do it. And so just just know that things in, our, in your life are like grass. They can be blown away. But here's the most important thing, the next verse. Verse 8, the grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God remains forever. So when you come on Sundays and Wednesdays, and some of you guys are just crazy enough to listen again, you hear it live and then you listen again. What you're doing, you're getting the word because you know you're not getting religion. You're not getting just a, 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 a man in a ball, a ball head man in a shiny suit. No, you're getting the word and you cherish the word because you know things will fade and things will shift. Things will change. People will come in your life and out of your life. 
but the word of God will remain forever. And so you can bank on the word of God. So the word of God is important. So that's why I don't, I don't really try to hold too tightly to people, especially in a city like Muncie, because I sometimes figure out people are passing through. Maybe they're not going, going to be here. Maybe this city is too small for them. Maybe they're going to end up in California somewhere. So what I try to do is try to feed them the word so that when they get to where they're going, they can always remember this place and say, man, I can tell you about this place where they loved me and they gave me the word. And there's so many people who said that, that and even when my father died, so many people were, came back into town just to say, man, he loved me and he taught me the word because at the end of the day, that's all you really need. We're a church that's going to love you and feed you the word. And that's going to get you where you need to go. And when you get to heaven, you're going to be grateful that you passed through Deliverance Temple because they loved you and they gave you the word. All right, let's look at uh, six. The prophetic voice is not pointing to themselves, but pointing to the Lord, beating that same point home again. It's not about me. It's not about, not about my church. It's about the Lord. Let's look at verse nine. Zion, herald of good news. Go up on a high mountain. Jerusalem, herald of good news. Raise your voice loudly. Raise it. Do not be afraid. Say to the cities of Judah, here is your God. So constantly we are pointing you to God. If you ever come and listen to the messages and it seems like we're pointing to us, to Deliverance Temple, it's time to leave this church. We've gotten off. We've, met, we've lost our, our way. You should always feel like we're pointing you back to God. You should always feel like you're getting closer to God. It's okay to get closer to me as a human, but my major goal is to point you to the Lord. Uh, verse 10, see, the Lord God comes with strength and his power. Not Andre comes, not deliverance temple comes, but no, the Lord God comes with strength and his power establishes his rule. His reward is with him and his gifts accompany him. So he's arriving, he's showing up on the scene, but he's got rewards and he's got gifts. Guess what? He's better than Santa Claus. What the, the thing about Santa Claus, you got to be good. If you got to be either naughty or nice, if you're nice, you get gifts. If you're naughty, you don't. But God is so good. Even when you're naughty, he'll still give you gifts because he knows how he can fix the naughtiness. He's so, so good. And the reason why I'm so happy and excited to always point to him because he's so, so good. Situations are not always good. Life is not always good, but God is always good. And I can always point to him. And even when I've had challenging moments, when I get up and stand in the pulpit to speak to you, it just like hits me like, man, God is good. Just tell them about him. And that that's really my job. My job is difficult, but it's really easy in the sense that all I'm doing is pointing to him. I'm always saying, look at him, look at him, look what he's done, look what he's doing, look what he's going to do. So it makes it easy to always get up and talk to you because I'm always pointing to him. All right. Verse 11. He protects his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them in the fold of his garment. He gently leads those that are nursing. So the people are like, man, I'm new. I'm brand new. I'm just getting started. Well, hey, he, he picks you up like a nursing child. He's got you. God got you. That's all I wanted to let you know. God got you. All right. Point number seven. The prophetic voice is reminding us that the Lord knows what he is doing. Let's uh, go further. Verse 12. 
who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand. I won't read the fullness of that. I'll go to the verse 13 because for interest of time, who has directed the spirit of the Lord or who gave him counsel on Sunday. I said, who's God's life coach who tells God what to do? Nobody. He doesn't need any help at all. He knows what he's doing. Look at the next verse. He says, who did he consult with? I won't read the rest of it, but who does he consult with? Who does God need to give him anything? He doesn't need anything. He's like, he's at the top of creation. He's the man. Let's look at this. The prophetic voice is reminding us that the Lord has no equal. He's got no equal at all. All right, verse 18. Who will you compare God with? What likeness will you compare him to? I'll skip to verse 20. To one who shapes a pedestal, choosing wood that does not rot. He looks for a skilled craftsman to set up an idol that will not fall over. I will speak on this. He was pointing out to them in their day, they would be worshiping other gods, gods that they would have to build with their own hands. They would build gods with their own hands and then look to that God and say, thank you for the stars in the sky. But wait a second, you had to build him. You had to make it so where he won't fall over. But us, we don't have to do anything to make God exist. God doesn't need us at all, but he wants us. That's, that's what lets us know it's a love relationship. He doesn't need us. He doesn't need our prayers. He doesn't even need us to read the Bible. He wants us to pray and he wants us to read the Bible, not for him or us. He's got no equal. He has no rival. And guess what? He wants to live inside of us. So that makes us so special that whatever the devil is doing, it really is over because God cares so much about us to want to be in us, to take us through life on earth and then give us heaven on top of us, on top of that. So we're going to get some good things on earth. We get some bad stuff on earth, but we're going to get some good stuff on earth. Our good is going to weigh, outweigh our bad. And then on top of all that, he's going to give us heaven. And we don't even know what heaven is like. All we know is going to be far blow out anything we see now. So how can we lose? All right. Number nine, the prophetic voice is reminding us that waiting on the Lord is the only, 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 only option because only in him is it actually over. So let's finish with these verses. Do you not know? Have you not heard? Yahweh, the Lord, is the everlasting God, the creator of the whole earth. He never grows faint or weary. We grow faint or weary, but he never does. There is no limit to his understanding. We are limited, but he is limitless. He gives strength to the weary and strengthens the powerless. Well, pastor, I'm running out of strength. I'm weary. I have no power. Well, he gives strength to people just like us. Youths may faint and grow weary and young men stumble and fall. But here's the power of it all. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. In other words, those of us who wait on the Lord, there's no way we can lose. I believe I can fly. I believe I can touch the sky. Think about it every now and then. Spread my wings and I fly. We, we, we can do it. Doesn't mean everything is going to be super, super easy, but I'm announcing to you ahead of time that it is over. So take courage. Be excited. Be happy. 
because God is blessing you. Amen. If you believe it, just say amen. All right. Dear gracious Heavenly Father, we come before you and just thank you. Thank you. Thank you for what you're reminding us. God, we do put it in context. We do understand that that you do things in your timing. So even though we are, we are encouraged by this word, it, it may not show up in a week. It may show up in a week, but we are just encouraged. That, oh, my goodness. Whatever has been really challenging us is over, and we have the victory. We have won. And so we're moving forward knowing that, and we're laughing at the devil. Ha, ha, ha at you, devil, because we shall win in the end and in between. We're going to win. God bless you. Much love to you. Good evening and go forth in faith. It's over because God is on your side.